Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now let's give you something to chew on. All right, we are back with another episode of Chew On This. What's up, K-Dog? Teresa Duncan. It is all good. Good to hear your voice, my friend. You were in a good mood because you just went to spring training. You had some fun. Oh, I got my baseball fix. Opening day is not that far away. It's a a beautiful world that we live in, I tell you. Which team were you observing? That would be those those dastardly Colorado Rockies, uh, you know, which uh, I'll just say for all you betters out there, take the over this year on the win totals. What does that mean? I think they're going to be a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. Oh, really? Just what I saw, everything like that. I, uh, everybody's predicting them to like lose more than 100 games this year and all that stuff. I don't see it happening. I'm just saying. So 100 games sounds like a lot, but they that's play like how 100, many games? 162. So yeah, 160. That's, <laughs> that's a pretty bad ratio if they're expecting to lose 100. And here's your historic fact that nobody cares to hear, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The Rockies <laughs> have never lost 100 games in a season. So guess what? This will not be that year. This will not be that year. All right. Go. We're putting that out there. That's We're right. going to have to circle back. That's when we play those Washington Nationals, you got to watch. I'm telling you. Oh, no. The Nationals. Don't even talk to me about this. <laughs> My dad is so annoyed with the Nationals. So he's just, he's so annoyed with them. And I think we've talked about this. My dad is the kind of fan who will turn on the TV for what he says is his home team, and then blast them the whole game. That's just how he watches the game. If you put your dad in my dad's body, but watching the Cardinals, there you go. That's exactly <laughs> it. It's amazing. I it's such you. a love-hate relationship. <laughs> so when uh, What's-His-Face was there, gosh, who's that? Harper. Oh, when yeah. Bryce Harper was in the Nationals, he hated Bryce Harper. Then when Bryce Harper went to where? Philly? Is he in uh-huh. Philly now? Yep. So Bryce Harper went to Philly. Oh, man, it's not the same. We don't have Bryce now, you know. So like, okay, Dad. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> All right. So baseball aside, yes. we have a couple things to talk about here. And we were taking a look at this survey that Dental Post and RDH Magazine put out. It seems like they put out a survey pretty regularly, which is really very helpful. Yeah, Dental Post is such a great place for information. I'm glad they've teamed up with with Dentistry IQ and all those folks over there. But uh, definitely some interesting findings in this one, I thought. So they did one in 2019, which I'm sure you could go back and look. But here's one thing I wanted to pull out before we start going over the specifics. The magazine surveys in 2019 and 2020 indicate COVID-19 didn't create the dental employment issues we have today. It exposed them further and applied pressure, leaving wide open holes that require attention. Yeah. (laughs) I want to put some kudos out to whoever wrote that because that is... Very nice wordsmithing right there. It, it is. And, and you know, the thing is, and, and I know you and I are going to dive into this, but we know that there was a lot of unhappy team members before COVID hit. And you're exactly right. I just sent that into the sun uh, whenever practices shut down and, and dentistry incurred what it did this past year. So it focused in on hygienist assistants and front office people. There's a lot of talk about the hygienist. I think they actually get more... Um, discussion time than the rest of the team, just because their numbers, I think, are more solid. You can quantify a lot more of their numbers because the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you've said before, tracks that. They do. BLS 
And, and if anybody wants to know how to find all this in BLS.gov, it's really interesting to dive in because that's where I pull a lot of my dental assistant salary survey that I use around the country. Yeah, you can find that for any occupation in any field. It's, it's pretty fascinating. Well, the occupations they track, because like if you looked for a marketing coordinator, an insurance coordinator, you're going to have newer numbers because it's pretty much a newer than just receptionist. It, it is. And just real quick, 30 second thing here. So what BLS does is that they take your tax returns and they look at what you say you do for a living and they put you in a bucket in your state, along with the rest of those people who do that for a living in your state. And then they take all those numbers and put them together. And that's what they put out. Okay. So it's so that's a good high level, it mm-hmm. sounds like. And then when you do an industry survey like RDH and Dental Post, I think you get, you know, much more clear numbers. Oh, it, it also talked about dentists too. I <laughs> oh you I know. didn't mean to forget the dentist. Holy cow. Love the dentist. Wow. <laughs> you know. Don't turn it off. I just didn't scroll down that far. <laughs> unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. <laughs> All right. So so as a result, most of the respondents were hygienists, which which makes sense because that's where you put it. 93% of the respondents were female and employment status. Most of them, 80% were full-time. 62% worked in metro areas. I don't know if that means suburban. I get, I think that means suburban and city because then they break down small towns and rural areas. Yeah. And that's of course smaller. And then this is what I, I really think is a big, huge factor is that they broke them down by sole income and dual income. There is a lot of dual income, but roughly half of the older population is single income. But for most of the people out there, there's dual income from the 18 to 64 years old. That's important to know, in my opinion, that yes, we have a lot of single mothers in dentistry because that's, that's really the biggest issue a lot of times when you hire a young team member is that they're probably going to get pregnant in a little bit. But we now have dual income, which means there's a little bit less pressure on that one assistant or single mother, you know. So I I thought that was good that they tracked that. I don't really think I don't even think the ADA tracks that specificity. So that was nice. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know we we learned about the single parent thing and how big that was whenever online schooling really picked up and whenever we had to figure out if parents were going to choose between their job or their child, and we know. Sadly, most of the time they chose the child, which was an interesting problem. So, mm-hmm. well, sadly for the office, great for the child, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and, I mean, it, it's sad. It's sad for the person who has to give up their career to yeah. do this. But, but kudos on being a parent. I get that completely. So, another statistic here, just because I want to hit all of the demographics here, is that almost three quarters of the respondents were Caucasian. You had thirteen percent Hispanic, six percent Black. Asian Pacific Islander. My people are very underrepresented. They are. And then 1% American Indian or Alaskan Native. So that 1% is pretty much all of Alaska. Is that pretty much it? I would guess so. Yeah. Up there with our friends. The Bush dentist. (laughs) And uh, and if you don't know why I'm saying that, we just go back to (laughs) the hoverboard dentist stuff. 3% is other. So still very dominated by Caucasians in this uh, survey. I don't know, judging from what I've seen in, in uh, hygiene schools and dental schools, that's definitely changing. I think so. Yeah. So that's a good upwards trend there. 
So that being said, Kevin, what what struck you about these numbers? It's funny you mentioned that because that was one of the things I was going to mention is that I think we're still at that tipping point for the face of dentistry and what it's going to look like in five or 10 years, because I don't think it's going to look like that. I know uh, one of my daughter's best friends and, and, you know, I consider her kind of a second daughter myself. She just finished up hygiene school at the University of Oklahoma. And I know she had a very diverse class. And you can say, well, that's that's Oklahoma. And of course, they're going to have more Native Americans maybe there than they would anywhere else. But I think that we're going to see all over the country pockets of these underrepresented minorities suddenly start making those inroads toward becoming a majority. Good. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I don't know about the majority part, though. Let me back up because I'm not saying there should be a majority of one, but it would be nice to have some equal representation across the board. I think that's what we all want. I I agree. And and I think it's important for patients to see themselves in the practitioner. I, I think that that's an important thing so that they understand that this person gets, you know, there there are medical and dental conditions that come along with certain ethnicities. Absolutely. To have somebody really understand that, I think, is important. Then you know what? That's something that when they teach offices about asking medical history, I don't think they talk about that, that there's different populations that you have to really pay attention to and ask them, what about the diabetes and what about the thyroid and all of that? Personally, anybody who works in dentistry, my doctor was always like, let me just double check the thyroid question because we have a suspicion that there's an issue in dentistry with thyroid disease. Mm. I'm just going to leave it at that, that I think working in the dental industry has an effect on your thyroid. And if anybody else has that feeling, hit me up and email because I have a lot of thoughts about that. But anyways. You just walked in, dropped a biscuit on the plate and walked out. That's that's impressive. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to reach out to Tanya, actually, and I'm going to have one of the questions for next year be, do you have thyroid issues? Watch. You wow. watch. Wow. Okay. A year from now. I can't wait for that 95%. <laughs> Call it the Duncan question. I like it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about then the fact that we have a lot of turnover. And yeah. I appreciate that Dental Post put that out there, the caveat that this is not because of COVID. This is, this is how it is. Let's start with uh, the assistance. So do you want to go through some some stats on there? Do you want to bring up some thoughts on that? And then we'll jump to front office. Absolutely. I want to hit what you just said. I think that it's so important because so many people just go, well, it's because of COVID. Well, things changed in March and April and May. And they may have changed, but there was so much that was bubbling under the surface before COVID became a part of our society. And that's one thing that I've heard so much from these dental assistants. You know, I I think I've said on this podcast before that I've had somebody reach out to me and say, well, this was the time for me to hit the reset button. That wasn't something that just came about automatically. This is something that they've been considering their options for a little bit of time before COVID hit. And this was just that accelerator. A couple of things that jumped out at me from the dental assistant part of this survey And again, I know you're going to link to it in the show notes. And I think it's really important that everybody looks through this is the fact that it said 65% of dental assistants received a pay raise within the last two years. Now, I have talked to numerous dental assistants out there and dentists and office managers do not get your torches and pitchforks after me when I say this, but I can tell you that there have been quarter an hour raises offered. There have been 50 cent an hour raises offered. And I understand every practice is different. Every situation is different. 
But I also go, if that's what you're considering as a raise versus what might come to your mind first, whenever you're thinking of a raise, those are two different things in my mind. So I'd be real curious to see if there was something that said, this is the amount of raises percentage-wise versus this one. So there's a a calculation that as an office manager, I mean, this was pretty much passed around in HR people, they talk about it, but for every $1, it's 2080. So every $1 raise for a full-time person based on 40 hours per week is 2080. So Mm -hmm. that's how much you add to your salary. Okay. So making a quarter of that, so that's only a $500 salary per year. That's not a huge income uh, raise. And so I kind of get what they're saying. But look at what was said earlier in this this article. You know, people wonder why I'm so passionate about the billing system. It's because of this right here. Most assistants in the survey made between $21,000 and $50,000 a year with the slight majority making between 31000 and 40000 annually. I have talked to dental assistants in Salt Lake City that have to do Uber at night. Now, this is before COVID, of course. Mm-hmm. But there are assistants out there that are doing two jobs to make ends meet. So people ask me, well, why did, why did this big explosion in job changing happen during COVID? And I say, here's why. Because they, they all of a sudden were like, not only do I not have my dental assistant job, but I don't have my Uber job either. I've got to figure something out here. I can't keep doing this. Right. Yeah, I, I get a little riled up about that because I see some of these assistants that pay is just not something that equals what they put into the job, in my my humble opinion for what that's worth. It's a tough job. It's a it physically tough job. It's a stressful job. It's a smelly job. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot that goes along with it. I remember talking to somebody who came from, so I'm in the DC area, as you know, I remember somebody coming from, I think it was Indiana, somewhere out with corn, lots of corn, right? Lots of corn. So we offered her, I think it was something like $18 an hour. And she was like, her jaw just hit the ground. But to me, that was starting Yeah. for, for what we wanted. And, and her jaw hit the ground. She was like, I'll take it. And you're right. And I wanted to say to her, dude, $18 here is not $18 in in corn country. I think that's what a lot of people, when they read this survey, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't live for 21,000. Well, that I get that. Most people can't, but there are places where you can. Yeah. But there are places where you can't even get through the year on 21,000 no. because of family, insurance, groceries, all that stuff. So it's tough. And just so listeners know, West Virginia and Utah, according to the last BLS survey, those were the states that had the two lowest amounts of income for dental assistance per hour. They were right around $16 an hour on average. That's what we're being paid in those two states. Compare that to Minnesota, which has mm-hmm. the highest, and it's just over $25 an hour on average. And so people always say, well, why the discrepancy? And I always say it goes back to also what dental assistants can legally do in each state. And a lot of times dental practices say, Well, if I hire a dental assistant in Minneapolis, they can do so much more than a dental assistant can in Salt Lake City or even in Hartford, Connecticut, where if they take x-rays, it's it's a stretch sometimes. Minnesota. Minnesota, you betcha. (laughs) But it's, it's really important to think about what goes into the salary besides just your status in the practice. And a lot of times I know practices look at what the assistants can do to impact the bottom line. And that impacts those numbers as well. 
So I think there is some responsibility, though, on the assistant's part to make sure that they are up on this stuff, too. Yeah. I think the assistants that are listening to dental podcasts, of course, that's probably not who we're speaking to because they're above and beyond. But there are assistants out there that, you know, they don't know how to pack cord. They don't know how to make a temp. And when we ask them, what do you know about that? Have you ever checked out a YouTube video on it? They're like, no. I mean, they just kind of expect to be taught on the fly. So I think uh, ambition and initiative is something that I think your employers are really looking for. And one thing that jumped out at me again in here is that 67% of the respondents to the survey had been working at their current practice for fewer than five years. So dental assistance is the position that turns over the most. And it's not that dental assistants often go to another practice. They turn into hygienists or they turn into Starbucks baristas. Mm. You know, that's something else that I see as a real problem for the dental assisting profession is that there are some really good young dental assistants that come into this wide-eyed and by year one or year two, they're like, you know what? I'm thinking this may not be it for me. And then they decide what's, what's their next career path. So I wanted to bring up the highest salaries because you touched on Minnesota. But according to this survey, the highest salaries were in Montana, North Dakota, Minnesota, Minnesota. Massachusetts, where you get the uh, check the cob burrito. I have to make a Massachusetts joke because my husband's from Rhode Island. So that that accent is just (laughs) you you can't say those states without making an accent (laughs) joke. Okay, California and Nevada. So the lowest paying states were, and Utah doesn't make this one, but I agree with you because I have heard that and I've seen that in the numbers. According to this survey, West Virginia, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. Louisiana, and Mississippi, which coincidentally, some of these states are the lowest just in income across the board. And it's also something that if you go a little deeper in the statistics and you look at the amount of the population that comes in for one dental visit a year, just one, those states rank among the lowest. I believe that there's really a direct correlation between the patient population and what the dental auxiliaries are paid. So our last episode, we talked about how Sweden really has a good education campaign where dentists are you know, approved of, they value dental care. So maybe we start a program where we ship Louisiana and Mississippi people over to Sweden for their visit so they can see what it's like. That's got to be a reality show. I mean, <laughs> if, if that isn't, I don't know what is. I'm just telling you. So I can't even imagine. Roll Tide into Sweden. <laughs> that would be tremendous. That would be too much. Okay. So let's go back to this because I, I wanted to just point out one other thing here. So because of the pandemic, 18% said they were working more hours. And actually 20% said they would prefer to work more hours. So if their hours were reduced, they would be much more likely to look for another job. And I I agree with you, they're going to leave the industry if they don't get a good job or they don't land in a good good office. So they were the category of employees, dental assistants that were laid off or furloughed the most. So the most dramatic turnover position in the industry, that is a heck of a title to own. Well, and there was a time whenever I first got into this wonderful industry that that I heard so often, well, dental assistants are a dime a dozen. I can go to Taco Bell and pick one out and they could be working for me this afternoon. I mean, I've he- I've heard this. I think that perception has changed greatly because if you're looking for a heartbeat, you might still be able to do that. Might, you know, but if you're looking for somebody who's actually quality, those days are long, long gone. 
So, <laughs> I'm just laughing about your heartbeat thing. So. <laughs> just say it. Like you could just hire anybody to do some of these sure. jobs, right? Is that what you're saying? Like just just be breathing. <laughs> you know, I, I've had so many dentists come up and go, I've got so much team issues. Well, it's because you hire the first person who shows up right? because you're so desperate to fill a position. I mean, it is kind of a, a wicked circle. Yeah, I didn't mean to imply that you are saying everybody oh, no, can no, do no, it, no. but it, that is what we hear. <laughs> yeah, I just want to clarify because people are like, what did Kevin just say? No, it's the truth. I want to clarify. I've heard that too. Can't we just hire somebody to answer the phones? Well, yeah. I mean, if you want, I can hire my mom to answer the phone. She won't like it what she does with the phone, but we could hire her. So yeah, qualified people is is the way to go. Can we jump to the front office staff now? Hey, it's all you. Jump. All right. So 48% made less than 40000 per year. So front office staff, you know, that, goodness, that's a huge umbrella. So you've got receptionists, you've got insurance coordinators, you've got appointment coordinators, you have, what is it, the call center people too. Like not just call center working for a company, but like there's offices that have call centers Yeah, and you can go work in the call center. So there's there's a lot that's kind of wrapped up into the front office staff office managers are in there too. So, you know, you've got a pretty wide range. So 48% made less than 40,000. Another 38% made between 41 and 60,000. But I will tell you that I know quite a lot of managers who are high level doing high level stuff, managing single or double practices. Now, I'm not talking about corporate here. And they're up at 80, 90, 100,000. And depending on bonus, some of them make pretty decent money too. Same with hygienists. Hygienists can definitely break six figures if they're in an office that has it structured in such a way. Uh, but if you read this report, it looks like the ceiling for a lot of it is 60000 And I don't know if I disagree with that. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. It, it says rarely did these team members make more than 70000 a year. And I don't, I don't think that's the case. All over, I guess I should say. You know, I, I think you touched on a real key point is that these these office managers in these solo practices that are making really, really good money, a lot of times it's because they help drive that practice to be a financial success. And so, you know, they're, those are directly linked together, I think. Yeah, for sure. The biggest thing that I always, and I'm just going to go back to the assistants for the minute, but the biggest thing I always tell them is that, you know, you can't just go in and expect more money if more money isn't being brought in by the practice. And so I think that's where knowing the financial situation of the practice is important for every team member so that they don't have these false expectations of, well, the dentist just isn't paying me. And, you know, he's going out on his yacht this weekend and, you know, whatever else that we know just simply isn't true. Well, the yacht's about to be repossessed. Especially Mississippi. Yeah. You know, I'm just telling you. <laughs> it may not be a yacht. It may be a, a pontoon, right? It might. <laughs> We're getting to pontoon season. It's not a bad thing at all, actually. <laughs> You know, one of my favorite shows was the shrimping show. But anyways, I'm we're going totally off. But it was in <laughs> it was in those those areas and I thought, wow, how fun to have a shrimping boat. Well it worked for Forrest Gump. I mean, come on. Absolutely. <laughs> it sure did. It sure did. Okay, so uh fifty seven percent of these front office team members had more than fifteen years of experience in dentistry, and nearly thirty percent fulfilled some sort of clinical role as part of their daily contact. So this struck me as very different from the assistants because you have a lot of people in for a longer time period than the assistants. And I think it, it absolutely has a direct correlation to the difficulty of the job and the going rate for the job. So no wonder you have a lot of people moving from the back to the front. I still think in a lot of practices, we have this back front 
they don't know what each other is doing. And I think that if your practice is one of those that people in the back don't understand what you're doing or vice versa, that that it's important to really get some of those misconceptions out of the way. Because I, I think so often I've heard dental assistants say, well, you know, up at the front, they don't really do that much. I mean, and they get paid so much more, you know, and I'm sitting here going, have you ever just shadowed them for a day? I'm just curious <laughs> because I, I think that the reason they're paid more is that they, they earn that pay for sure. But here's the other thing. As a former assistant, I don't want to be an assistant because it was tough. Yeah. So, but it was just a different skill set for me. I mean, I was much better on the phone and, and trying to get people to give me their money than I was trying to get people to open wide. It was just, that was, I was a very bad assistant. Shout out to my old boss for putting up with me. They're completely different categories of tough, I think, uh, for both. Let me share with you one of the meetings that I had when I was um, full consulting. Uh, we were in a team meeting. The two, lead assistant and the receptionist, and of course, this manager did nothing to help the situation. But the lead assistant and the receptionist were just at each other's throats all the time. And the receptionist fired back at her after being told, you know, she doesn't do much. The receptionist fired back. You have to concentrate on one thing at a time. I have to concentrate on 10 things at a time. And I thought, okay, that's correct, but that doesn't mean that your job is better. Right. And then, so the assistant was like, but I have to focus on something that's actually bringing us money. And I was like, okay, that's not exactly true, but I understand because this is a big problem that I have. Let me rant. Can I rant for a second? Please. Here's the thing. I hear from people all the time, the administrative team members don't bring in money. And I am like so annoyed by that. You can look at it as a cost center. Absolutely. But if we don't answer your phones, if we don't talk people into coming in for treatment, if we don't solicit people for broken appointments, you can't make any money. So you cannot tell me that we are loss leaders. You just can't tell me that. No. Sorry. I'm yelling at you, Kevin. I apologize. <laughs> I right now I'm in the choir going preach. How about that? There you go. <laughs> so everybody in the office brings in revenue. I just don't know where this comes from. So I get where the assistant's coming from. I get where the front office person is coming from, but they're fighting with each other for what? For supremacy? For what? Well, I, I don't know, but I can tell you it happens in a lot of practices. And a lot of practices just turn their other cheek and walk away. And I'm like, guys, you've got to address this mm -hmm. because I can tell you, you've got some unhappy team members and your patients understand that they're unhappy team members too. Yep. Yeah. There was a, there's a lot that went on in that office and I think we got some stuff squared away, but my goodness, did I just want to yell at all of them? But you know, as a coach, you have to let them come to these <sighs> conclusions, blah, blah, blah. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> And then drink heavily in the evening. So it's perfectly oh, fine. Oh, you know, my hey. God. Okay. Let me just say one thing. You said that the assistants, let me see, where did you say that they stayed? How long did they stay with people? That, my friend, was 67% have been working at the current practice for fewer than five years. Okay. So here is 2% for assist office, front office people had been with their current employer less than three years. So people do stay in front office positions. Unfortunately, they don't always grow in that position, but for the most part, most of them do a decent job. Okay, New Mexico was at the bottom of the pay scale, and then there's Idaho, Louisiana, and Nevada close behind. So Nevada and Louisiana are really not coming out good in this, this survey. No, and the thing is, you take out Vegas and New Orleans out of those mixes as well, and I think it plummets even more. Jeez, I, you know what? I didn't even think of that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. 
But Idaho is at the bottom of the pay scale for front office. That surprises me, actually. And we've met some wonderful office managers in, in beautiful Boise, I can tell you that. Boise. Boise. Yes, that is that is true. And that, that just really surprises me. So the younger they are, the more likely they're looking for other jobs. That makes sense. And let me see here. Of those who did intend to apply for a new job, 27% plan to do so within the next 30 days. That is during the pandemic. And I think absolutely goes back to what they were saying before. It exacerbated holes in the office and in you know the structure of the office. And as a front office person, this is what I heard most of the time is that I had X set of job duties before the pandemic. And now I have X plus X plus X because now I got to worry about reopening supplies, inventory, my assistant quit, my hygienist wants more money. All of that kind of just doubled. So these numbers just don't surprise me. And I think It'll be interesting to see next year's numbers and compare them. You know, after we've come out of the pandemic, after the PPE wave has passed a little bit, you know, all this stuff. I don't want anybody walking out of this podcast going, oh, well, well, it's because of the pandemic. It, it partly was. Right. The tidal wave was coming long before that. Let's talk about the dentist for a second. Key takeaways from the survey is that 40% were female. That is really, that's, that's jumped a lot in the last yes. couple of years, which is great. So. 25% of the dentists planning on seeking different employment situations. They indicated they were associates and had joined either a private practice or a DSO. So highest paying states for dentists, Colorado, your home state, Ooh. Maine. Do you consider Colorado your home state or is Oklahoma your home state? Uh, Mom, if you're listening, uh, I hate <laughs> to tell you, I, I have, I always say I have roots in Oklahoma, but, but I consider Colorado my home state. Got for it. Sure. Okay. Yep. Colorado, Maine, Montana, and Kansas were the highest paying states. Interesting. Yeah, I, actually, that is interesting. Kansas coming up there. Look at that. Lowest paying states were Alaska, New Mexico, Washington, D.C., Hawaii, and Connecticut. New Mexico has not been a winner in the survey. For no. Sure. Washington, D.C. Well, yeah. Honestly, nobody lives in Washington, D.C. They just go to work there. And even now, nobody does that. So um, you talk about somewhere that's cleared out because of the pandemic. I got to think yeah. it's D.C., honestly. And honestly, the, the insurance situation in D.C. isn't great. It's a lot of specialists in D.C., I'll tell you that. It's, it's a weird mix. I could talk about that another time. But Hawaii, Hawaii is, I hate to say it, but Hawaii is one of those states where it is so expensive to live. And mm -hmm. so the salaries aren't necessarily going to keep up only because the reimbursement is not good in that state. It's pretty much, a whole, it's pretty much an HMO state, honestly, with the structure of Medicaid and the, and the insurances. That doesn't surprise me. Connecticut, though, lowest paying state, Connecticut. Isn't that one of like the highest income states? What happened there? It is. But, you know, and I mentioned it very briefly earlier. I was surprised how restrictive that state is whenever it comes to what the dental assistants can do there. OK, so doctors, doctors not making a lot just because the amount of the volume isn't there, perhaps, of what they can do. I'm going to just guesstimate that. OK. Our friends at the Charter Oak Dental Meeting may disagree, but I think that. Uh, I think that that's part of it for sure. So employee turnover overall, forget about the dentist now, no offense to dentist, but overall 35% of employees are intending to find a new job within the next year and 7.5 plan to wait until the environment is safer. So 35% are ready and 7.5 are just waiting. <laughs> and it's funny because that's one of the things that I have I have tried to beat the drum with whenever I've, I've spoken to dentists uh, that are having a hard time hiring somebody now. I keep saying it's getting ready to get worse. 
because I think whenever our, our economy really does open back up, there are opportunities, everything else. I think a lot of folks are going to bolt. Yeah. You know, we're going to have to get really, really creative as far as trying to bring new fresh blood into this industry as, as workers. The uh, amount of people who were unhappy despite their income was really just startling in this. And another thing that was cited across the board where people were being asked to use their sick and vacation time to make money. And that's really not what the vacation and sick time is for. But from an employer point of view, it's a lot of money to pay out for people to not be able to come in. So from an employee point of view, I need some money. (laughs) And there are a lot of employees that are thinking that right now. Uh, you know, they're listening to this podcast and they're they're shaking their head because they're the ones who are thinking about what their next step is. And it's not where they are right now. So we have a lot of uh, changes coming up in the next year with the vaccine becoming more widespread offices, hopefully going back to capacity, you know, uh, getting back up to pre-pandemic capacity, maybe even more. The only stick in the mud that I see is that PPE prices don't look like they're coming down. No. I, I don't think they are. Yeah. So that's a big change. And have you noticed that people are having to look around more for their PPE? Is that something that's come up in any of your classes? I haven't heard as much lately. I've got to be honest with you. I, I think that whenever the we turned to 2021, that lessened a little bit, but uh, it's something I'll keep an ear out for, for sure. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Rice is hearing it. Dr. David Rice, your your partner in Ignite. I will ask Dr. David Rice and see what I can find out about that. Let us know what the esteemed Dr. Rice of Ah, Ignite University. Ah, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. We love you, David. We just like to we like to give you a hard time. Yeah. So it it looks like we're going to have to keep an eye, as we always do, on the employment issues that are out there. Because from a for a manager, for an owner, doctor. I have to warn you all that I think this is going to be your biggest issue coming up. And for an assistant and a hygienist point of view, from the clinical point of view, I think they are so in demand right now. It's their market. Yeah. It absolutely is. And I mentioned my, my second daughter who's coming out of hygiene school. I can tell you the demand for her services just in the Oklahoma, Arkansas area where she wants to stay it's incredible. And then you think about a, a Seattle and some of these other areas where they're offering these crazy salaries on top of bonus signing, on top of everything else, just to try to get somebody in there. Yeah, it's their market for sure. I'm telling you, if I had energy, <laughs> I don't have a lot of energy. If I had energy to do this, honestly, I think now is the time to just get really going with that mobile dentistry stuff mm-hmm. and start rolling up to offices you know, if I'm a doctor, get the mobile dentistry, van, unit, tiny house, whatever. There's tiny houses out there for dentistry. Pull up outside of the employers and have this hygienist that goes from place to place and get as many people as you can going through there because people just aren't coming to the offices as much and we need to get them. And I think a hygienist might be intrigued by doing something like that. Well, and you know, one thing that you and I have talked about in past podcasts, and I'm curious to see now and just again, going to go back to baseball. Now that we know that fans can go back into stadiums, maybe at a reduced capacity, but still that's the start of these urban areas reopening a little bit, I think. You know, all of a sudden you're going to have people coming back downtown to baseball games and coming back downtown for events. 
And does that mean the businesses start opening back up and people start coming back in as well? You know, that's that's one of the fascinating things I'm going to be watching as we keep going through this year is how do what have been ghost towns in like yeah. downtown Denver? How does that change over the next year? Yeah, you've mentioned that you, it's been it's been sad to hear you say that because that stadium can rock when it's full. It can. And the restaurants depend on it. You know, everything around it depends on that. And again, I know it's not just Denver, but that's where I'm most familiar with. But I, I know a lot of urban areas are suffering, and, and I think that's hopefully near the end. We'll see. So they talk about having a vaccination card to get into places. Mm-hmm. You know what I want? I want a perio card. I want to know oh my God, that'd be that awesome. you have had your teeth cleaned, that you're not going to breathe stale peanut smell all over me, right? I know. Oh, and there's a smell that older smell. people have when they have perio disease. And it smells like peanuts to me. I don't know see, if it smells like peanuts to other people. See, I've always thought the tuna peanut combo. Oh, so, yeah, gosh, somehow. See, you know what? I would pay money to sit in an area that is a perio free area. Oh, my goodness. That's a marketing thing. I, I was going to say. Doesn't Delta Dental sponsor the Rockies? Oh, yeah. Delta Dental's in a lot of places. Uh, Comfort Dental is here locally. We do the tooth trot in between oh. innings, don't forget. Oh, that's right. The toothbrush is Exactly. Chasing. Toothbrush, toothpaste, and a tooth all run around, you know. And Milwaukee has sausages. We have teeth. So listen, if Comfort Dental wants to really make my baseball experience a comfort, you give me a perio-free zone. I will sit in it. I will pay extra to not be breathed on. I want to see that card showing your periodontal pocket depth. So, you know, I'm good. Look at this. You know how people have pictures of the coronavirus and they have a big slash through it? (laughs) That's what I want. I want a picture of the P. gingivalis or the strep mutans, whatever. Those bugs (laughs) with a big X through it. And I'll be like, yes, my people. Yes. (laughs) Just tell you, it's fantastic, isn't it? That would be a beautiful thing. I love that. Oh, it's a good thing that I don't have a job doing this stuff because I would never get any of these initiatives off the ground. If the Rockies are looking for a promotions coordinator, I'm going to suggest you. I'm just telling you. So just throw it out there. <laughs> My goodness. All right. So we had another story to get to, but we're already at 40 minutes. So I'm going to save the next story. So, Kevin, any last thoughts on our uh, esteemed podcast? It's been a fun one today. And I think that the only piece of advice that I'm going to leave is this hiring crisis isn't over by a long shot. And if you think it's not going to happen in your practice, I hate to tell you, it's going to happen in your practice. So be proactive, be prepared because it's coming. You know why it's coming, Kevin? Because you know what's going on right now? Tell me. Poaching. 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 People are poaching good offices, I'm telling you. A lot of poaching. There is. There's poaching, poaching. So be careful. (laughs) Uh, Be careful of that. My last thought is you guys need to check out Kevin's course at ADOM because him and Tia Hunter, they have this course that is from DA to PA, which is dental assistant to practice administrator. Yep. So from da to pa. Da to pa, baby. So if you're clinical and you're thinking, "Mm, let me go up front because it looks like they don't do anything, then... (laughs) Crossword puzzles all day. Yeah. This is the course for you. I just play Minesweeper all day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, T and I were lucky enough. We recorded it actually during the pandemic, safely, of course. Mm -hmm. So I know it's available on the ADOM site, but uh, I'm looking forward to doing that live in Orlando for sure. Very, very cool. So, dear listeners, we always appreciate that you spend some time with us. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. 
check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. And don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.